This is PSU Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Finally, back in... What's the planet's called name called now? Pandora. Pandora. Yes. <laughs> Pandora. Should we put on some weirdly uh, tangential ethnic accents and uh, pretend we're some of the novels? I'm sitting here in, in cornrows. Are you not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I've done my hair. In a, in I got a, some dreadlocks. Not, not a nod to any ethnic group. That is simply a nod to the some, Navi who yeah, like to cornrow their hair. Yeah, some pretty Maori-esque tattoos um, that I got I'm done a, just for that. I'm a blue human. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a bloomin, if you will. Yeah, it's not about race if it's about color. <laughs> it's the, the, and Truer words have, have never been spoken. Thank you, Shelby, for that insight. Um, James Cameron lives by it. Uh, but no, I'm excited. Avatar, the way, the, the way, the of, way the of the water. No, just the way of water. The way Not, of water. Yes, only one the. I, I called it the ways of water once, and I was like, that doesn't That's sound right. That's also not it. That's the way of water, it. the way of water, the way of water. Avatar, the way of water. The, way of water. water. the second Avatar film in the franchise uh, coming in out a, quite some time after the first one. The first <laughs> one came out in 2009. It is now 2022. We're finally getting the sequel. This has been rumored for a long time. I, I don't know not if we ever rumored. have discussed been... this in one of our like beginning of the year previews. I can't remember because it's like always sort of on the docket as it might come out, but I feel like it's been pushed a ton of times. <laughs> um, there's also apparently five other films at least that are in the works of some <laughs> caliber or of an, another. The, the third one is almost completely shot depending on how well those do. It, we might move on to the fourth and fifth, which are, you know, also have storylines. I heard that he has, I didn't verify this by the way, but it's a fun rumor, nonetheless, that James Cameron has a nine-hour version of the third one that he's sent to the studio, and he's like, I want to do special effects before I even think about cutting this down. <laughs> the Yeah, I also heard that rumor, but then I heard that there was a nine-hour cut of this one, so I don't know. I'm, I'm confused, <sighs> but there's a nine-hour version of something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes, this movie was over three hours long, three hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. What were your, I guess let's start with what your experience with the first Avatar mm. was, mm. what your expectations were for this yeah. one, sort of yeah. going into it, the journey to Love Avatar, it. the way of journey water. Journey to the water. Um, so Avatar comes out. I'm in college. Uh, I decide, you know what, family, we need to see this at Christmas because it's an event. I heard, you know, you have to see the spectacle, even if it's not a good movie. I don't remember why I was like, this isn't going to be good, but it's going to be great. You know, like I, it must've just been the trailer looked bad or something to me. Like it looks stupid, but I convinced my whole family to go and I walked out of there and I was like, you know what? I'm not mad. I saw that. I thought it was really like stunning i still remember how visually gorgeous like those floating mountaintops were and kind of the just how stunningly realistic it all looked um but i too partook in the mockery of its fern gully slash pocahontas um basically rewrite uh i <laughs> I loved the uh, brawny sort of jarhead general 
There were a few quotes from that movie that we would use for the little bit, but I've already forgotten them. It disappeared from my mind. I have rewatched it. I will admit, I've probably seen Avatar, I want to say definitely twice, but probably realistically, I've seen it three times. Um, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah, the We Are Mated for Life line honestly gives me a laugh every time. <laughs> Oh, the whole mating process. Great stuff. Um, Which I uh, heard they deleted or they took that scene out on Disney Plus. What? The like weird like tail or hair. Uh, oh my gosh, you're scene. joking. I'm I gonna, have not checked this I'm out. Someone told me it. this. So. That's obscene. That's the greatest love scene in the history of cinema. Um, so yeah, when I heard he was working on this, I was like, wow, that's commitment. Um it was a huge deal. It made like a billion dollars. Congrats to him. And I also like it's popped up in random things. I think the story of Matt Damon turning it down and regretting it to this day is hilarious. Um, James Cameron talking about it, taking it so seriously, honestly, amazing. His weird obsession with talking about the uh, indigenous and Native American tribes, uh, a little disconcerting, uh, not great. Um, so when the sequel was announced, well, cause at the time we knew he wanted to do ocean and like mountain or something. And so we knew he'd been planning one, but it kind of disappeared for such a long time that it kind of, you know, never thought of it. But yeah, I went into this thinking, you know, I bet it'll be beautiful again. And maybe since he's had a decade to work on it and he got the notes from the first one, he'll do better on the story. And one of those things was true. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I really in my Avatar reflection, I realized how far I have come since the first Avatar mm, was released mm. in theaters. Congrats. I was in high school still at the time and was uh, my viewing. I think we were around uh, 2008, the year of Benjamin Button and Dark Knight and Slumdog Millionaire was the first year of my sort of like awakening to film beyond mm. like a you know kids movies type of thing <laughs> i wasn't allowed to watch pg-13 rated right, or right. i mean pg-13 rated movies until i was pg-13 or till i was 13 and even then it was dicey and i didn't watch any r-rated movies until i went to college basically so my grasp on film seeing avatar i think was slim we also went and saw it with my youth group after church because <laughs> there were, i think we're and this was like very late in the run this was like mm. in march or february like i everybody else on the planet had seen it and there was a lot of discourse at least in my circles of like is this is this sacrilegious to go see this movie because of the sort of like pagan-esque motifs that are going on and so our church was like we're gonna all go see where the youths are gonna go see this together we're gonna watch it and then we're gonna have a discussion afterwards and talk about like is this christian is this not like what like are we allowed to watch this movie can we enjoy it type of thing we went after church one of the kids who i hated in my youth group stepped in my popcorn bucket like i Ew. put the popcorn bucket on the floor and like two minutes in he had to like go to the bathroom or something came back stepped in my popcorn bucket with his like wintry boot so i was sort of annoyed the entire time and i don't remember 
really having that many feelings about the movie at all. I remember thinking it was pretty, but I was sort of annoyed about the 3D glasses because I wore glasses at the time. So it was like there was that element. And then the, uh, yeah, the plot line, I didn't really think... In the in my mind at the time, I didn't put together that the plot line was, you know, Pocahontas or anything like that. And I think some of the other Oscar movies that year I liked more. So I wasn't, I don't know, it was sort of like a non-factor to me. I remember in, in college, I think probably at some point, someone said, oh, Avatar's just Pocahontas. And then I sort of was like, oh, yeah, that's true, and went down that rabbit hole. And I mm-hmm. think that even though Avatar was widely praised when it came out for some reason the tides turned on that rather quickly so like a year after the fact everyone was like that was a stupid sort of movie wasn't it and then that narrative have has progressed i think until this year when the re-release came out in which i saw a lot of people on twitter being like wow this movie is actually really great and we've been shitting on it for 10 years and we didn't really need to be doing that um but i did not go back and rewatch it and so i went into this movie almost as if i had never seen an avatar movie before because i could not remember a single thing that had happened in the original i i i knew that there were humans i knew that there were blue people i knew that sam worthington somehow turned from a human to a blue person and fell in love with the blue person and i remember that there was a tree that they somehow had sex with but otherwise, I remembered literally nothing, and so they had sex under the tree. Okay, just to be clear. right, but they, but the, but the way they have sex is with the putting the braids together. No, they, all... they put their braids together, but I don't think they're connected to the tree. They're connected. No, to No, but one they another. also can put their braid connected oh, to yeah, the tree. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The braid yeah. can connect to the tree and to each other. And yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's all. Weird true, braid yes. connections. I remember that. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so going into this, I feel like I really had no expectations. I was like, huh, let's see what this is. And then I saw it and I saw what it was. So (laughs) I, yeah, yeah, no, I was, I think I was more optimistic. Rob and I decided, you know what? Let's try the RX screen. Why not? What, what is this? I don't know. It's like where... They like film extra, like, like out of frame shots that then project on the side of the walls. So you're like quote unquote immersed in the world. It's like oh, it's not worth the hype. Never do it. Uh, Really stupid. Most movies don't do it well because they don't shoot extra wide. But James Cameron knew that this was you know a chance, so he did you know. He did it with intention, but it was still just like kind of distracting because it's just like ocean and like, like bushes and things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like, why are we doing this? But um, yeah, I we were excited, but almost instantly I was like, no, I don't think I'll like this more than the first. And the bar was pretty low for the first because, again, the only thing I remember like actively thinking was good was of course the special effects but like the story and everything was like laughable and something i enjoyed but not because it was good you know see i feel like this movie for me watching it like thinking of you because one of um one of my friends who's also a listener to the podcast jamie was talking was texting me and she was like i honestly have no idea whether or not you guys will like this or not based on seeing it and i was like 
yeah, there's certain elements of this that I feel like are very anti-Shelby, but then the <laughs> weird, like, disaster spectacle, like, Jurassic Park version of you, I was like, there are pieces of that that, of that persona that feel like could really, yeah. like, tap into this movie in a lot of yeah. ways. So I was like, I have, if you came to me and were like, this is movie is incredible. I'd be like, yes, that makes sense. If you were like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. I'd also be like, <laughs> yes, that tracks like the it's, it's really like a, a budding of the two different yeah, yeah. sides of your brain. I feel Every like into Shelby a has film. two wolves. Yeah. Yes. Um, which will, will, will you <laughs> yeah. feed? And which one? Yeah, I mean, not? and at first I heard like good things about this, like when the Twitter I mean, the reception's like, been largely good. I know, but then there was this blip where everyone's first reactions before they could post their full reviews were like, "This is great." Then the full reviews were more mixed, like, "Hmm, kind of a bad story," but again, he does a great job of these special effects. And so I went in with kind of like, okay, bracing myself. And well, I feel like that the 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 thing that we've settled on for the first movie was like yeah great special effects horrible story and the the, for this one i think the reviews in general prior to me seeing it and i think even still now were like better special effects better story than the first one which surprised me so maybe not like great thing but like if you were if you gave the like that this movie is better than the first avatar i think is pretty universally said at the moment i know but i think i liked the cheesiness of the first one the simplistic nature of the storyline worked for me in ways whereas this kind of literally lost the plot somewhere in the middle to become a planet earth type exploration of uh uh pandora pandora um and I like, like, obviously that's the best part of the movie, like going through the ocean, seeing all the blah, blah, blah. It's so beautiful. But it was kind of like, I think if I had had one phone call with James Cameron, I could have helped him with the story a little bit more because it was just like convenient in ways that irritated and also didn't add to the plot so much as getting from point A to point B. Like it very much felt like a middle movie. There was a lot that was left on unfinalized unexplained because it's clearly going to become a larger theme across this five-story arc he has um which i get that that has to happen uh but this movie didn't land on any emotional level for me except for random like quirky one asides like i don't know like the teenage angsty stuff was sometimes funny but other than that like the story was so week that it was sort of like it it sort of heightened how oh this was just a passion project for him to wait for the technology to catch up he didn't put any of this decade of work into making a smart story it was just to make a visual point so let's talk about the story for a second the plot of the film so this movie takes place like 15 ish years after the original um (laughs) Jake Sully, played by Sam Worthington, and Zoe Saldana's character, whose name I can't remember. Um, they are married. They live on Pandora. They have four slash five children. Three slash four slash five. <laughs> yes. Through various means, there's a biological child. There's some sort of embodiment of 
Sigourney Weaver's character <laughs> from the first one. There is just a random kid or a random Navi person random who they've like adopted. And then also a human child who is sort of like <laughs> just chilling around. So anyways, there's this sort of like big mishmash mm. of a family. They're living their best life on Pandora. But the villain from the first movie who was killed... <laughs> Turns out that in this future world, they have the ability to sort of like send consciousnesses back to Earth and get. Well, them I think it's just memories and memories. Feelings. Okay, it's not his soul. It's okay. Just, yes. Well, okay. That's why he so, doesn't yes, feel not the soul, but like the, the memories yeah. and such back yeah. to Earth, and then they're repopulated in a new Navi body. Yeah. And so the bad guy from the first movie has returned to Pandora <laughs> fifteen years later. As a Navi, but with the Younger, memories yeah. <laughs> that he hated Jake Sully and so is dead set on finding him and murdering him. My uh, favorite thing about the jarheads, because they, they bring back a whole squadron of like Navi, oh, yes. and they're like, You'll be able to hunt them because now henchmen. you're one of them. I love that they had tattoos, because I'm just imagining like, when did that happen? Because they wake up and cry from Cryro and it's like they're on a ship and suddenly they're there. And there's this one girl who has a full sleeve of tattoos. And then on top of it, they had like custom well, also made have... sunglasses. They also had matching like hair, like not be yeah. like they had haircuts that matched their previous versions that yeah. weren't like, I don't know, normal <laughs> Navi haircuts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. It was um, funny. The. So they're, they return to Pandora. They like firebomb the place. They're like, we got to find Jake because that's their mission it's sort of a slightly unclear like the the main bad guy clearly has like a revenge motive yeah. but aside from that why they're looking for jake sully is yeah like there's not a ton of reasoning behind well, that there's the general the woman general who's marching around in her little robot suit <laughs> drinking yes. coffee from her robot arm instead of with her you know physical arm next played to inexplicably face. by edie falco yeah <laughs> she says that this is all like you have the first monologue from jake who explains that he doesn't need subtitles anymore because it's basically the navi language is like english to him now so suddenly they're all speaking english Good for oh them. yes Neat which trick. thank goodness loved it um and so then he realizes like oh they came back and they firebomb the place and then it's a year later they've built this huge city they have a train that goes somewhere and brings something who knows what and so they're kind of doing this sort of um guerrilla warfare against these people and so then the oh, squadron yeah, is right. brought in and they're like, oh, Jake Sully's the leader of these of this guerrilla warfare group, and yeah. we don't like him ruining it for us. So why don't you go and just find him and destroy him? Thank you, because we want we're not here for unobtainium, the ore that they were. Yeah, they're like moving mining. there or whatever. They're now preparing it as a new earth because the planet is dying. And so they're like, humanity needs needs a new place. I mean, and, which is um, true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um so yeah. so yeah, so then Jake Sully's family and their oh, million ch- children move to the water section of the planet to well, sort of like hide out. The kids are kidnapped for the first time in the first hour, and right. this okay. will happen Shall again. We, we can't we can't get into all of these minutia of the plot. <laughs> There's this is a 17 hour long movie, the, but it's important, okay? Because fool me sort once, of. fool me twice, fool me three times. You know, there's got to be yeah, a lesson but, learned okay. here. Okay, so 
they move to the water planet. Yeah. Then, well, it's not a water planet. It's whatever the water. the water section of the planet. Yes. They they live in their grand old life. There's lots of like fishing scenes. They're hanging out. Kate They're meeting each other. <laughs> yes, there's another family that also has some like a water family that has kids that the regular kids are becoming friends with. One of the Navi kids hangs out with this whale in the water, and they become friends. The whale yes. has been you know, injured by poachers. Um, it's too and th- painful to discuss. Yeah. Then we get to where we all knew what was going to happen, where the bad guys, of course, discover that they are. No, but can we talk about how they discover them? Because it honestly, it was like too, like it just shows like, you know, you can take the white boy out of the man, but the white boy is still in the man type thing because of the first sign of trouble. After fleeing the forest because he's like, these people are after us. We have to protect our forest people by leaving them and then they'll be left alone and we'll go live here and protect our family and we'll be left alone. The first instant that there's trouble, he summons his little (laughs) doctor friends to come and diagnose his daughter who just had a seizure. Um, I don't know why because they're on a Because she had a seizure. But they're on a planet where they magically commune with people. Like they talk to whales and stuff. Like, like I don't think Americanized like medicine is really cutting it here. And they prove that by being like, I yeah, don't but, know, man. But those people I don't know. lived on the island for a while or on the planet yeah. or whatever. Anyways, it was hilarious. They have this like one bit scene and they're never spoken of. Or okay, heard yes, from again, <laughs> we're getting sidetracked. We have to get to the point. No, it's important because that's how they find him. That's how they find them is Shelby, that they follow this one This is going to be ship. one of those episodes where you just like nitpick these tiny things that I can't even remember. It's not a tiny thing. That's what I'm saying is it's the whole point that they're able to find them to these island chains. And that's why they go after the island chain is because this drone had gone over there. And so then they start killing the natives. And Jake Sully's like, oops, <laughs> hope you won't turn us in. And doesn't make it a mission to, you know what, let's stand up to these people until his children are once again kidnapped for the second slash third time. And I think that's an important character note, Matthew. It, if James Cameron is going to make a movie, then we have to talk about the movie. Yeah, I know, but there's a lot of things to talk about in this movie. This movie's okay, three hours long. Why don't long. you tell me what you care about? What I care about is that then the bad guys show up. There's a big fight that lasts for a long time. Um, and that's the that's the concluding piece um the i feel like the the movie as a whole is like largely vibes like the the plot is slightly more complicated than the original and less like obvious i think like there is there is a little bit more going on um and with all of the characters some of them there too much is going on because it's like like what is who are these people what's happening and there are a lot of things that are left unresolved in this movie that suppose that you know you feel like will get picked up in the next one um but i felt i didn't I like, do I think that this is like an incredible script or a great storyline or, you know, one of the most magical films I've ever seen? No, but also I feel like for what this was and what I was expecting going in and based on the Pocahontas level story of the first one, that this 
was fine, like passable. And I also feel like based on some of the asinine stories that I've had to deal with in the Marvel films that this, I was like, yeah, this is passable. Like, uh, like moving on next thing. <laughs> like I, I wasn't at no part was I like so caught up in the, in the details that I was like, this story sucks. I, I was like, this, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's replacement level. It's on par with Marvel. Uh, like fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to say like apples and oranges, like compare. I'm not saying that I've seen. I'm not trying to be like, wow, this is trash. I'm saying that for a movie that took 10 years to make and that he clearly cares about, like he does put his heart and soul into making sure that this is visually stunning. It just irritates when he seems to lose um Lose focus like because something in your background. Oh yeah, Lupe's drinking water. <laughs> uh, Lupe, the way of water. Lupe, exactly. Of water. She's like, hey, um, no, but I, I feel like what was more frustrating was obviously the first film. Obviously, a lot of James Cameron films have these like cheesy elements, sort of simplistic. Uh, well, he's very earnest which yeah. is something that i realized like about halfway through like there is not a joke in this movie this is very somber like not somber but like very serious very straightforward Bruh. there's not like jokey movie <laughs> m- moments there's it, this isn't a marvel film where you know like there's a sides and witty banter and stuff I think like there are jokes in this i think he brought in the writers from the planet of the eight the world of the planet of the apes like um, what were the jokes there was like a bunch of teenage angsty jokes, a lot of like, oh, these kids from the parents. Um, like there was more humor in this and in the first one. Like it's playing up like I did not get humor at all. I mean, people I was were like, laughing and is... our showing and stuff. Like when the teenage stuff was happening, it's like, oh, parents, universal. Like I felt like yeah, there was yeah. a lot of fun stuff there. I mean, it's not, it's not not fun. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's like funny. Right. Yeah. No, I, I felt like it was more these weird beats that were chosen where the first one had its issues with, um, cultural appropriation around indigenous culture and sort of this uh, amalgamation of like, let's just take every stereotype we've ever seen and we'll put them in blue bodies and it won't be offensive. Um, but at the heart of it, it was a movie about environmentalism and like, that's what he pitched it as. And that's what he talked about is like, I hope people watch these movies and like realize what there is at risk if we don't start caring about what we're losing. I thought that was again on display in this one. But that's what was interesting to me is it was kind of like there were opportunities to, to show it because I think one of the stronger points is this random, sort of third act tension which is the poachers um who are yeah the whale plot line was very very sad and he does a good job of like i don't know what the term like you empathize with these creatures who are smart and can communicate and have these relationships with the navi people um and so the poacher element is there but it kind of like he gives up any meaning in letting the movie kind of unravel in the end to just this like big 
fight, you know, the ship sinks just like Titanic. It's a family trying to survive. And it becomes like less about the big picture, which is what the first movie was, which is I'm protecting this clan. And it's just narrowed in more and more on I'm protecting my family. And that's not as like conducive to this argument that, wow, we need to protect this world or like, oh, aren't these people interesting? Because it just, I don't know. I I struggle with the white saviorism of it. Now blue saviorism, sure. Five-finger saverism, I guess. Um, and I just... It's not like I was expecting... Wait, of, who and, sa- of, who, of who saving who? Of him saving the... Yeah, yeah. Well, of, in the first one, it was like... That was a criticism. Is well, that yes, great in the first savory. one. And so now it's like he's just tightening his grip on what he cares about, even though he's only there because they cared about him. You know? So it's just like... I'm not saying I expected yeah, but more. but his family members are... Like, yeah, people. <laughs> I just mean overall, there were pieces of this film that I feel like would have made a more interesting overarching theme, but he crowded the plot with all these weird stuff, like Spider. I literally think they should have never had that character, oh, and I think yeah. the only that reason they have him weird as hell is because it's going to become like this this storyline in three, four, and five or whatever. Like it's well, just like for th- the redemption cycle of this jarhead. Navi dude now. I mean, th- like obviously plot lines were set up in the first one. Um, yeah. but but you know, they didn't know how well that was gonna go, so everything is very contained. I think yeah. in this one, they are there are sort of more global plot lines that instead yeah. of having those be like the big resolution at the end, I think those will be more of the resolution to the entire series yeah. or you know. I think Sigourney Weaver is going to be like a savior. Yeah, I feel like the Sigourney (laughs) Weaver plot line, like that. I mean, we should get into all of the kids separately in a second. But like the, yeah, this one definitely felt more family-ish and I like centered on the family. And I think that was intentional because I feel like that it's setting up these different kids and different characters to have their own arcs in the future. And so wanted to establish them as a unit now, sort of like how in the first season of Game of Thrones, it's like you're meeting all the Starks and they're having their interactions. And then like in the later seasons, those are all separate storylines that have, you know, multiple side characters off of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I did not. I mean, far be it from me to be the one defending Avatar on this podcast because I did. I, I thought the surprised. movie was sort of long and boring. But I thought like the complaints that I have about this film, I feel like are not the same ones that you have, <laughs> and are more about the sort of either general vibe of it or. That's what I'm saying. The vibe of it was messy to me. And that took away from just being able to indulge in the fantastic special effects. See, I feel like you were like honed in on plot points. I wasn't honed in. I was reading what was obviously in front of me, which was a messy first draft of a film. Well, I I feel like there's lots of stuff that they purposefully weren't telling us because they were saving it for later movies. And so like, yes, that was messy in some regard. But I think that I don't no, know. I don't know. It was poorly constructed to have like the opening monologue from the, you know, woman general being like, oh, the world needs a planet to then flipping to this like poacher who's being paid because, oh, yeah, the whale's uh, membrane has the ability to like stop 
life. And it's like, how did you guys, this sounds nitpicky, but what I'm saying is how did they know that it would stop? <laughs> like, how did they know it was worth what it was when they've only been there a year? And I'm sorry, space travel, <laughs> does, it doesn't matter. I get that. See, what I'm this saying is getting is, way too far <laughs> in the weeds of like, how did the scientists what, what figure out that the whale that they, brain fluid? Listen, I don't need them to explain it, but I need to know that they know it because it doesn't feel like it does. It feels like they just needed to have this poacher. So they're just like, oh, what could it be? Now we're getting and that's into what's frustrating the J.K. Like, Rowling ask Harry Potter backstory of no, like plot No, I'm points. not. You diminish my thoughts. What I'm saying is that it felt just patched together for a movie that took a decade to make. And that's what's frustrating to me. It's like you sit there and you hate on something like Captive State because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't give you this. It doesn't give you that. And I'm like, yeah, totally. Still but a fun time. This is I still don't... a fun time, but I can still say – that I don't think part of it, it felt, didn't make sense. I don't feel like it felt as patched together though, because I think parts of it, like I, I mean, it, I think it is patched together in some ways, but I think that's because he's setting up a bunch of different things that are go- that he wants well, to deal with in later movie movies. Off of what's to come? Also, I mean, big, big complaint. This isn't nitpicking. Where on earth did the teal people go in the middle of that battle? Where? Where when? they? They, you know, they have like when they're trapped in the ship. Yeah, like all before. So they they have the big showdown. The whale helps break up the ship, but then suddenly, all of the Navi except for the Sullys disappear. Like they're just not there anymore, and they don't die because they're all there in the end. It's just like the mom and dad, the pregnant mom. You know, Kate Winslet is like, oh, James Cameron's like, wow, pregnant women can fight too. I'm a feminist, and then she just disappears, even though her daughter was kidnapped. Like. Where did they go? I I guess I don't I don't know. I didn't register that they weren't there when I was watching it. They weren't because then the Sullys had to go in and try to save them. They got kidnapped a third time and then it became this like fight to the death with Jake Sully and the Jarhead and it was just like, you know, their son died, like all this stuff happened and they're <laughs> they're their battle friends were nowhere to be safe. They just went home. <laughs> I I don't I don't I I don't know. I guess I I would need to watch it again. I <laughs> which I'm not gonna do. Um, and I'm not the only one who noticed that. So it isn't nitpicking. That was a general refrain from people who are like, huh. Um, I guess I just feel like that there's more interesting and weird things at play here than plot points. Okay, well then let's talk about it. What do you want well, to like, talk about? Like, okay, I want to talk about the kids and okay. this weird like configuration of children that they have. Yeah, bro, let's do it, bro. And and like why why it's so weird? So they have the oldest. So their oldest kid is a boy and for the longest time I couldn't tell the part between the oldest child and the second child so I kept like thinking that both of them were the same people even though they were two different characters yeah slightly taller yes and they had like sort of the same haircut the younger son had a different necklace on which is eventually a little bit more edgy jewelry yeah figured out um but they are both children of Zoe Saldana and Jake Sully. Yeah. And so they're avatars with three fingers or with four fingers rather than three fingers, which I don't, did we, did we no, remember that from the first one or five? I absolutely did not remember that. No. And that I was like stunned that <laughs> that would be enough for anyone to recognize because it's like, 
Well, I was like, was that at, was that talked about or was that like I think it must have a been new invention. I think um, it must have been like, oh, we don't want you to have to learn how to like shoot with three fingers, so we gave you five type thing. Yeah. Um. So then. So so that those are the oldest two. The oldest kid is sort of like a non-factor for most of the movie. The second one is a little bit more rebellious, and he's the one who eventually becomes besties with the one-finned whale. Um, <laughs> but then there's this kid who is played by Sigourney Weaver, <laughs> yeah. who was in the original, <laughs> who is somehow like, um, yeah, through the modern technology, she's now playing like a 14-year-old, <laughs> who is an avatar, but also somehow uh, like related to Sigourney Weaver, and we don't really know how. She has seizures. Yeah. Um, she like, like, she's very like, like nature-y. Yeah. And, and it's, like, and somehow... people make... Like, people are making comments about, oh, maybe Sigourney Weaver slept with this person or that person. But then you also get the sense that maybe it's, like, Sigourney Weaver's, like, consciousness somehow was embodied into, like, a tree or something. No, I think Iwa, it's a Jesus figure. I think Iwa, what's the term? Like, magically impregnated her. The god. Who's Iwa? The god. The god. Oh, yes. The the tree. Okay. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think she's a Jesus figure that'll okay. <laughs> that'll so like, so de- immaculate conception or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Okay, interesting. Then there's a child who they just found. Well, they the or white it's... kid, the human, was left behind because he couldn't go. Well, no, not him. It. The oh. other. Oh no, that's just their little daughter. Wait, then which of the kids is not theirs? Sigourney Weaver. Wait, but isn't one of the I thought one of the other ones was also not theirs. No, they had three kids. They had three they kids. They adopted Sigourney, and then there was the white kid who is just like a tag along that Zoe Saldana is willing to murder just to get rid of. <laughs> Hashtag relatable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, and then there's, yes. Then there's Spider, who I feel like is a very strange character yeah. that where he is human but he wears a loincloth he paints these stripes on his body he's sort of like a feral Mowgli sort of creature he's their Tarzan yeah he like wants to be related to them but isn't got a crush on the daughter you you get a sense or you you sort of learn that he's actually the bad guy's biological (laughs) son but we're not sure who just left but we're not sure who the mother is are we I know no we don't know um, it's just like implied that oh well he can't go in space so I guess we're just leaving him behind. And like I, I'm sure that this was all ha- discussed when the first one came out. I don't think but so. like all of the braids and dreadlocks and stuff. Like I know that they're blue people, but I'm sort of like okay, this feels a little strange. Especially yeah. since a lot of the actors who are playing them are white, but then their yeah. characters have these weird hair thi- things. I also found the costuming bizarre and that they all of the women have like some sort of not like top but like mesh or beads (laughs) or shells or something that are all perfectly covering their nipples at all times even though they're blue people so it's sort of like why does it matter honestly well no i i was I'm, I have questions about, like, the art direction, I guess, right. on this. And, like, what exactly they're trying to say by 
bringing in the Mowgli boy and having him have dreadlocks, even though he's white and like making him yeah. paint the stripes on him and then wearing this loincloth to the point that even once he's ki- like kidnapped by the bad guys and kept in their care for like a long time, he's still wearing the same loincloth. Like they yeah. never give him shirts or anything and he still has the stripes painted on him. Um, yeah, I wasn't I, I wasn't like, sure what to make of like that as a statement. Well, it's a problem, right? Because James Cameron has made the Navi be this sort of that's their culture. And so if this kid wants to be blue, he has to paint himself with this magic fruit or whatever that stains his skin. I think the dreadlocks is like, oh, well his hair would be crazy because he doesn't shower, so I guess he'd have dreadlocks. Um, but he does bathe. Yeah. Well, presumably. I don't know their if I don't know their you know shower and hair care situation since they've been abandoned on this planet for fifteen well, years. Um, but yeah, no, that- it doesn't make sense. I mean, I found the Maori elements kind of interesting. Like, obviously, he James Cameron cares a lot about New Zealand. He's worked with a lot of. Uh, people to make sure that his language felt authentic but it's like what are we what are we saying when we're saying it's authentic like what does this mean because when you have a maori actor portraying the father figure of this new clan but then you have kate winslet portraying the wife figure and putting on some sort of strange accent that's matching the brown people that are being filmed as blue it's very like messy and there are concerns with like Huh, what they indigenous groups are calling blue face, which is where you can kind of get away with appropriating cultural elements because, oh, it's just aliens. Um, and that has been an issue since the first one. It's been yeah. an issue throughout many films where, and sci fi in general is pretty racist because there's this othering and kind of, whoa, what is this? And so, yeah, it was kind of a weird part of the film. It felt less it felt less concerning and less upfront in this one, I guess, because the first one it's so much about like, here's our culture, white man, like learn from us. Speak to the trees. Whereas this is like, oh, aren't we having a good time swimming in this ocean? It's so beautiful, um, for the most part. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, People I, split I, on it. I guess like that sort of weird conundrum is more interesting to me than like the plot points. Like, and also if if the Mowgli boy is like painting his skin <laughs> blue to look like the uh Oh, you're saying it's like black Navi people. Yeah, I'm like, is that like blackface or like, is that like, you know, I a mean, Rachel blackface? Dolezal type of situation? Blackface um, is rooted in a very, uh, you know, racist history. I would say this is more akin to like wearing a, like a sorry well, or, yeah, you know, yeah, well, yes. Henna. Yeah, like I, I know it's not like blackface and blackface, blackface because of the, yeah, I mean, that's like a, uh, like related in mocking somebody and this yeah. is much more in a uh, like I want to be you kind of a thing <laughs> yeah. but yeah like weird sort of appropriate but then I'm like well if he's growing up with them and they're they're blue I, I don't know yeah there, I feel like there was just there's a lot 
to unpack in yeah. all of the, that situation. Well, it's um, weird too because Zoe Saldana's character does not like Spider. And I felt like that would have come up more. Like that was interesting because even in the beginning, like monologue, she doesn't have a lot to say because Jake Sully's kind of giving the narrative. Um, well, yeah, he but, has the voiceover. But then she says like, he's not even one of our kids. <laughs> and I was like, oh, let's dial in on that. Like, what is this? Like, what do we feel about this little child? And then he's separated from the group for the middle part of the film. And right. sure, some of the kids are like, oh, we're leaving him, but there's not like the same. They clearly don't view him as family. He's like an annoying cat, I think is what they refer to him as. And um, and so, yeah. And then at the end, when she's like willing to murder him to get her son back, I was like, I mean, I get it, girl. Yes. Um, but I felt like it was then weird that they ended up adopting him again to let him live with them because it's like she literally had a knife to his chest. Like, I well, feel like I there's. Think, I mean, I feel like that's there. obviously going to be a plot line in the later movies. It's like, see. is he, does he feel more a kinship to his father, yeah, who's yeah. his like birth father, even though not really at this point because it's like a made up <laughs> gotcha or whatever? Or does, does he feel more akin to this, like, um, you know, adopted family sort of a situation? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I it's found... very much Tarzan. Which Tarzan in itself has racist uh, 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 undertones and overtures. Um, And so it's hard for James Cameron to be borrowing from all these different, you know, films and tropes and not have it feel like it's carrying some of that icky... well, I, I feel like stuff the over. first one was so blatantly like a Pocahontas-esque <laughs> narrative that it was really easy to have thoughts about it because they were it was all pretty cut and dry. Where this, I feel like there's so many different like complications and weird levels to all of these things that sort of contradict each other in different ways that I find it like fascinating of... Like there were certain things while I watched the movie that I felt a little bit icky about, but then there were other, but then when I thought about them more, I was like, well, should I, shouldn't I? Like lots of those kind of sort of unsettling feelings, which I don't think are feelings that he is purposely trying to make the audience feel. Um, I, I think that he is a very, very earnest person who thinks like I'm making this film with all of this great technology to you know, help the environment to promote these different like sort of people groups who appreciate the earth in ways that we do not anymore as like white people necessarily, um, you know, to support like these good messages, but then is sort of doing it in a weird way that kind of doesn't realize that it's actually harmful in some cases. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I found the whole thing like, like the fact that it got so many reviews that were like, wow, this is the best movie ever. I was like, I don't know if it's a good movie or a bad movie because there's so many weird complications in the story that it's telling yeah. and not from like a plot point level, but just from like a, what is this movie exactly trying to say about things? Like there's sections of it, like the whale plot line that I understand. Okay. Yes, I'm on board. And obviously the technology is really cool. And I think James Cameron does know his way around an action scene very well. Like the, the final set piece I thought was great, but there's all of the sort of like what he's trying to say on a larger macro level. Yeah. I was confused by and wasn't 
sure really what to make of it in a way that I felt comfortable being like, oh, yeah, this is fantastic or Mm. saying like this is bad. You know, it's not like everything everywhere at all at once where I felt like I left the theater and thought, okay, I know what this is saying. I agree with what this is saying. Like 100 percent like this was a fantastic movie. This I left being confused in a lot of ways, even though it was three and a half hours long. Yeah, well, that's part of the frustrating thing is it feels like he did lose focus like a lot of times throughout the story and where there were moments where he could make more blatant or obvious connections or throw in some sort of line to remind us what we're what we're focused on. It just felt all over the place. And like he got just like obsessed with, oh, I just want to see the world. I just want to see the world. And it's like, well, okay, then just make a mockumentary about this. I wasn't sure though if like in a lot of those situations, if it was messy out of like carelessness or if it was messy or if it was like complicated out of thoughtfulness. Um, Mm. And that's what I wasn't sure about. Because even some of these plot points that like, I mean, some of them, I think, yeah, truly, like, probably just don't make sense. But there's others where I'm like, okay, I think he might be, like, doing something intentional to set something up later, which maybe doesn't necessarily make this a good movie, but makes the choice make sense rather than it just being like, ah, well, he took one crack at the script and then sent it off. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, the whole thing of, oh, we're going to bring back Sigourney. Oh, we're going to bring back this jarhead. Like, that felt like less about I have a bigger theme in mind. I got a bigger plan and more like, oh, it was fun working with them. Let's do it again. And and maybe that's wrong of me and I'll have to eat my words in episodes three, four, or five. <laughs> but it just feels like he loves the world, this beautiful universe he created, and he'll enjoy it by any means necessary. Um, and sure, there will be moments of like thoughtfulness But, like, to your point, I feel like he's shown his hand on being careless with his willingness to appropriate cultures. Like, there's an infamous quote where he was like, oh, yeah, I I made Avatar because I thought, like, you know, part of the environment, but then part of, like, thinking about the indigenous people and if the Lakota, if they could see the suicides and the life of their people now if they would have fought harder to withstand uh you know the decimation of their people and it's just like that sort of overarching kind of superiority um to the cultures he's willing to take from to make a movie where he's really just highlighting another beautiful world that's so separate from ours it just feels kind of you know lazy and he might be earnest and thoughtful in his desire to make a movie and like to wait as long as it takes to make a movie great but I don't think he's necessarily like the most thoughtful in developing stories that feel I definitely think he's out of touch in a way that you know like a rich old white man would be and you know sort of be like 
like for example, I went to a wedding this summer and uh, the wedding of Sierra, who's been on the podcast, and she had a mariachi band at the wedding because she, her family's from Mexico. And some old white woman who was there was like, oh, I love a cultural moment. And I think <laughs> like and I sort of feel like in some ways that is the energy that James Cameron is bringing is like yeah. he thinks that it, he's like doing a good thing and sees it as like a positive and that he's yeah you know like he's like look i show pregnant women fighting and wonder woman doesn't do that so i'm a better feminist like that's well literally what he said like i don't i don't know if he's like i'm the greatest person ever but i but i think he thinks like that some of these choices that more woke people are like he's like what i'm doing a good thing it's a million dollar movie and i'm putting you know Native American culture in it. So, like, yeah. the Native American should be thankful. And it's kind of like, well, uh, yeah. like, I can see why you see it that way. But also, if you think about it this other way, like, maybe it's not great. Like, maybe you should be hiring more of these people. I do think it's very odd that he did not cast more uh, non white actors in these roles that feel like they should be. <laughs> played by non-white actors even though they're (laughs) you know aliens at the same time um i don't know there's so there's so much weirdness and then also the movie is three hours and ten minutes long and some people like wow it blew past i didn't even notice but i looked at my watch and we were not even halfway done and i was like this is I mean, it's not my genre of movie. It's not like the type of thing that I love to go see. So yeah. I'm sure that people who like this had this had ex- like a similar experience to I had in Tar, where I was like, I didn't check my watch once. Um, but I found it a little. Uh, a, I found it a little bit snoozy in places, <laughs> and felt like they could have trimmed some of a lot of these sequences that felt a little bit self indulgent. Definitely, um, and it's like. Like, I, this one, could have been two and a half hours, I yeah. think, without too much difficulty. Oh, easily. Um, but I will say I didn't feel the three hours. Like, I was worried about that. But I feel like after some three-hour movies that I did painfully feel, like, you know, all respect, but Black Panther, it was a little long in the middle. And I was like, oh, man, oh, where see, are we See, I felt like this moved way slower than Black Panther. I felt like it was more watchable than the dullest parts of a longer movie. You know, like it – like even if you were like, what? Yeah, what it are wasn't we doing like here? Amsterdam, which it I felt like, like every second. Yeah, exactly. Of, but it was more you were willing to just take the ride because wow, look at the water droplets on that skin. Oh my gosh, can you believe the detail in that eyeball? Like all of it was so beautiful that it didn't feel as painful as some other three-hour films we've been getting. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, I no, I I, I can see that as well. But. Will I ever be interested in watching this one again? No. Like, oh I, no, I felt like I left the theater and immediately like forgot about it, and and I feel like it's hard. <laughs> like the first one, people complained about that too, where it's like, what's the what's the cultural relevance of this movie? Ten years later, I can't even name a character, and I was like, <laughs> Jake Sully. Um, but this one, I couldn't tell you any of the kids' names. I don't remember. Oh well, because they all had like mishmash names. <laughs> And there were so many like mishmash words that got thrown around <laughs> that I was like, I, I, I don't remember any of this. The most memorable part of this is how many, how many times those teenage boys said bro. It's like 
they're speaking in Navi still. Like that's what we were told. So I just want to know how they picked up on that word and the how. The most memorable thing was how they were still using the papyrus font for the subtitles. <laughs> he says it's not papyrus and that he'll never change it. <laughs> well, it, it, it looks real movie. close. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Nick. Final thoughts on Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Uh yeah, I the the third one comes out in two years. Um I I mean I will go see it. I did not hate this movie. I thought it was fine. Um I thought that the crafts were obviously fantastic. And yeah, I don't know. It's, for me, this this occupied a very similar place to the Marvel movies mm. in a lot of ways where I felt like there were things I liked, things I didn't, or even like Fast and the Furious. Like, I, I don't know. It felt franchisey to me in a way that wasn't super compelling, but also wasn't like horrifically bad and that I probably won't think of very much until the next one comes out. Yeah. I will say... Zoe Saldina did a great job. She's very she's very much carrying the film on an emotional level. She commits, okay? Jake Sully, you know, Sam Rutherford. I felt like I know. That's what was weird, is it's like there wasn't a lot this time. It was was a lot about the kids. A lot of characters. Yeah. Yeah. And they weren't doing a great job. But um I feel like the moment I'll remember most is Zoe Saldana's character after her daughter has epilepsy uh, as a seizure and the, the Western doctors are there. She just yells out, you're doing nothing. <laughs> and it really spoke to me. The whole theater laughed. I don't know if it was intentional, but she just goes so hard in these films. I, I, she's really just committed and I applaud her for that. The part that I will remember most is the poacher's arm getting ripped off. <laughs> I thought that was a good scene. Jermaine being there, being like, "Who has the who has the gun now?" It's like, <laughs> just let him be us, let him be New Zealand. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's the funny. accents were strange. Also, I did like I, I knew that Kate Winslet was in this, but then I, I watched the movie and like it never occurred to me that Kate <laughs> Winslet was the character that she was that she was. And then but she held her breath I was like, minutes. I was like, wait, which one of these people was was Kate Winslet in this movie? And then I went and looked, and I was like, oh, that was Kate Winslet. Like, She's pregnant, interesting, <laughs> with an accent, holding her breath for no real reason because I don't think she's ever shot underwater. Like, I don't remember seeing her character. Yeah, I was underwater. also confused about the holding your breath <laughs> sequence of uh, plot lines the because, training. yeah, it's like they are swimming. But it's also so, um, it's so like motion capture-y and it's yeah. all computer generated. So it's like, I know they do the motion capture underwater, but there's no reason for like why they couldn't do like a couple of motions and then go up and then yeah. come down and do more motions. Like, it's not like the actors are actually under the water themselves yeah. and they need to get one continuous take. Like the whole thing is fake. She said she just wanted to like get into character, man, you know, become, oh, well. learn the way of water. You and know, she did. Gr- great for her. Great for yeah. her. <laughs> she can put free diving on her resume now. Um, anything else record. on this episode that we have to cut off because otherwise it's going to be a three hour and ten minute long episode <laughs> and I don't want that. Um, no, I just, I really, I don't have anything more to say. 
Okay, so I think I somehow like this movie more than you did, which is Which surprised strange. me, because when we met up in New York, you seemed very irritated by its existence. I, I do, but somehow I feel like this happens sometimes, where you sort of like, you go first in the comments and are so critical about certain things that then I somehow have to end up defending a movie that I don't like. This has definitely Bruh. happened more than one time Come on, on the podcast. Join me on the dark side. I mean, I did not like this movie, but I did not I was not I didn't here even hate with this my, movie. I didn't even hate this movie. You know, I just think spyglass trying I to think pick out plot the, holes. I think some of the details are the Where funniest parts of this movie. Where was the cotton source I think in some the outfit? It is huh? the funniest thing to, to think mesh. about to think about why they're why they're mailing back this uh, magical elixir for eighty million? It's like come people on, people aren't moved because people can't age. I know, Isn't but that that's like happen? eighty billion. Like, put up the price, man. Let's figure this out. How are you here? Who are you working for? Why aren't you working for the general? If the general's here, then why are you mad that this guy's on your boat? Because his mission takes precedence. Like, come on, I just, okay, you know, what? I want to know. I, I want to know. I, that's I'm, what I'm, I'm saying. Out. I'm out. <laughs> you get out. You're doing nothing. You're doing nothing. <laughs> Okay, this was the, oh my gosh, this was a doozy of an episode to end the year on, but everybody, um, I hope you had a lovely 2022, I hope that your holidays are fantastic, we will see you in 2023, I'm not sure what we're doing in we episode We wanted to do Glass Onion. Back. Oh yes, Glass Onion, yes, 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 we'll so. talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, which I might have to rewatch because that is fun. <laughs> yeah. And do I remember things from September? You didn't even when I remember the main, <laughs> the main uh, plot point of that film last time we talked. So you'll have to do study the materials. Look, I'm getting film. it mixed up with this year's most iconic mystery, which was Death on the Nile. The plot <laughs> points are in are mix in my mind yeah. um okay we'll see you guys not na- not next week in two weeks when we're back from christmas break in the meantime you can enjoy our vast back catalog of episodes <laughs> and you can leave us a review and uh write us an email and follow us on social media and have a happy holidays shelby happy bye holidays. everyone see you later